Some of you might have been wondering if you shared the live feed uh, why the Joker was uh, at the beginning of the live feed. And, and I'll be honest with you, that was, a, that was a mistake. But nothing in God's church is a mistake. Amen? Amen. And so I have to say that the Joker is the... Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Joel. Um, but the Joker is the personification of evil. Can I say that? Is that all right to say that, 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 that the Joker is the personification of evil? And I, and I want to say the Joker is the personification of, of this year, of 2020. All right? Because that's where we're starting this morning. Because this Sunday is the last Sunday in 2020. Can I get an amen? Just, just, just type it in your comments. Amen. Thank you, Lord. This is the end of 2020. Now, I remember last year at the end of 2019, we were all saying how wonderful uh, 2020 was going to be. Do y'all, do y'all remember that? And, that and, it's like, and it's like we haven't learned our lesson because now we're looking forward to 2021 as if, uh, you know, there's something magical about a day. Um, but the Lord has for us what the Lord has for us. And 2020, y'all, has been rough. Uh, and if you're like me... You're ready for 2021, even if it is just a new day, right? Amen. You're ready for a new day because 2020 has been hard. This has been a year for the record book. And I want you to just stop and take a moment and think about all that has transpired this year. This year began with wildfires in Australia. Almost the entire continent, it seems, was a raging brush fire. Wildfires in California. The worldwide coronavirus pandemic. The murder of Ahmaud Arbery and George Floyd. Social unrest, political polarization, division, a global stock market crash, the largest economic recession since the Great Depression in the 1930s, the most active hurricane season on record. Did I mention murder hornets? I mean, y'all, this year has been insane. This year has been so difficult. We have never been more ready for a new year, right? We have never been more ready for a new year. 2020 has left not only all of these things have left their mark on the world, but they have left their mark on our community. They have left their mark on the lives of you and your family. 2020 has left its mark on the lives of your neighbors because this year has produced a lot of brokenness. This year has revealed a lot of pain. This year, our neighbors have experienced unprecedented loneliness and loss. Our neighbors have experienced despair And in our community, violence that we haven't seen maybe in years. And so the question that God has for us to ask this morning is this. 
As we move out of 2020, thank you, Lord, and into 2021, thank you, Lord. The question is, what does God want New City Fellowship to do in the new year? What does God want New City Fellowship to be about in the new year? And and, and I want to submit to you this morning that we've been talking about it for the last four weeks. Okay, we've been talking about what God wants us to do. God wants the church right here. He wants you to use your spiritual gifts for the common good. God wants you to discover and use your spiritual gifts for the common good. And and, and the, the goal of that, the highest goal of that is to elevate and to glorify Jesus Christ. It's to bring all glory to Him. It's to proclaim His name in every corner of our community. In every deep and dark crevice of your heart that Jesus would be proclaimed everywhere and at all times that he would be lifted up that that God would manifest his spirit's presence in Orangeburg and everywhere that our lives touch online and throughout the world You see, God has equipped His people with gifts. He has equipped His people with gifts to strengthen the unity of His church. To display the diversity and the beauty of His body in this world. Why? So that He might be glorified. And God wants us to be about that mission in 2021. And I want to share with you a little bit about some strategy. Okay, I want to share just a, just a little glimpse of some strategy that your pastor has been thinking about. And this is something that I've already shared with a few of you. But this is a strategy for how do we take these gifts and how do we, how do we move them out from here into the community and into the larger world? Well, there's, there's basically a five-step process I want to share with you briefly. And that five-step process begins with engaging outsiders. It begins with taking an outward-facing posture. You see, church is not about come here to us, come do our thing. It's about us being what? Sent out into the community to engage outsiders, especially outsiders, especially those who are on the outside, who feel left out, who are hurt, who are in despair, who are lonely. That's who God is sending us to in this community the outsider. And so God wants us first to engage the outsider and then not only to engage, but also to evangelize. And what does that mean? That means to share the good news that this world and all of its brokenness, this life and all of its rebellion and all of its sin is not the end of the story, but that God has given us the gospel so that we can have new life in Christ. And we want to evangelize the lost We want lost people to be found, right? We want blind people to what? To see. We want people who are deaf to be able to hear. And that is the work of evangelism. So number one, engage outsiders. Number two, evangelize the lost. And number three, when people come to faith, to establish them in the faith, to establish new believers in the faith. And that means learning how to walk with God. We we want to help people. To, to learn how to walk with God, to learn how to pray, to learn how to get into the word. Right. That's, that's part of what we want to be doing this year is to establish believers in the faith. 
And then as people in the church and in, in the, that were being brought in are built up and established, the next step, the fourth step, is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. To help each of you to discover what it is that God has called you to do and how He has gifted you particularly to do that work. So we want to equip the saints for ministry. And then the fifth step circles back to the beginning. The fifth step is to actually empower ministry. And what does that mean? It means that we say, okay, you're equipped now. Take that equipping, take that gift and go back. Go back to the beginning and engage outsiders. Because now you're the ones doing it, not just, you know, the people up front, but, but the church is the ones engaging outsiders, empowered to do ministry. And so that's kind of a quick and dirty process that I want to give you for how do we do, how do we go about, how do we go about using the gifts for the common good? It's engaging outsiders, evangelizing the lost, establishing believers in the faith, equipping the saints, and then empowering ministry. Okay, in so many different ways, uh, I can't wait to see what God's going to do in 2021 through you and through this church, because through this process, I believe God will manifest his glory in our community. Uh, Right. God will make himself known in Orangeburg in new ways, in new lives, in new families. And we will see transformation begin to happen in our community. That is what we're hoping for. That is what we're praying for. And this is what God wants to do. Look with me at the very beginning of, or the very last verse in chapter 12. We read it at the beginning. Joel read it. Verse 31. And here it is. It says, now earnestly, it says, but you could say now earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I will show you a still more excellent way. This is a transition verse between chapter 12, where we talked about what are the gifts, how do they operate in the church, and chapter 13, which we read as we think of as the love chapter. Okay, This is the transition. He says, God says to us, earnestly desire the higher gifts. God wants you to pursue his gifting. God wants you not to just sit in the seats of the church or in the seats of your home, but God wants you to to pursue, to desire those higher gifts. And what are the higher gifts? The higher gifts, that word is mega. It's the greater gifts. What are the greater gifts? Well, he's going to tell us in chapter 14. We're not going to get there. But in chapter 14, he says the greater gifts are the gifts that build up the body. They're the gifts that build up the body. Okay, they're the gifts that aren't about you and your little kingdom, but they're the gifts that help other people, that establish other people, that equip other people, that empower other people. God wants us to pursue the gifts that he's given, especially those that are useful for building up the body. By doing this process, engaging outsiders, evangelizing the lost, establishing new believers in the faith, equipping the saints and empowering them for ministry. But there's more. Because he doesn't just say, I want you to earnestly desire the higher gifts. What does he say? And I will show you a what? A still more excellent way. It gets better. 
He says, I will show you a still more excellent way. Some of you are watching The Mandalorian, which is a a Star Wars TV show. and, and, And basically the Mandalorian would say, this is the way. Okay, this is the way. A still more excellent way. Let's look at chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. God says, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love. I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my own body to be burned but have not love, I am what, church? Nothing. Ministry is not enough. Write that down. Ministry is not enough. We may have a great plan for ministry, right? It may be alliterated with the letter E. (laughs) Amen? For all you English majors out there, for everyone who's not, alliterated means it starts with the same letter. We may have a great plan, but ministry is not enough. We may have a gifted body. We may have a prophetic ministry of truth-telling. We may have a compassionate ministry of mercy. We may have a worship service that engages the mind and the soul. We may have a powerful display of hope and healing. In this community, we may have a people empowered for ministry. But ministry is not enough. God wants us to hear this loud and clear today. If we do not have love, we are like a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And I happen to know that Isaiah has a cracked cymbal back there that he's been, uh, he, he's making it work, but I, want to, I asked Isaiah if he would just play his cracked cymbal so you can hear what this sounds like. What does a, what does a clanging cymbal sound like, Isaiah? Oh, let's hear it a little louder than that. I hope you can hear that on the, on the live feed. It sounds bad, <laughs> right? I mean, play, play the good cymbal real quick so we can hear it. Okay, that's what it's supposed to... Now let's hear the... How, do you, how does that make you feel? Like nothing. Right? It's nothing. It's a clanging symbol. Thank you, Isaiah. Appreciate that. American Christianity is a lot like a placebo. Alright? Do you know what a placebo uh, placebo is, it's, it's, it's a, a saline solution or a, a sugar pill. Let me explain what I mean. Uh, one, of the, one of the bright spots this year, if there is a bright spot, there are many bright spots actually if we look for it, but one of the bright spots in 2020 is that the COVID-19 vaccine was produced very quickly. Uh, really unprecedentedly so. And that vaccine has been released already to medical professionals and it's being uh, disseminated around the world. Now, I happen to know that many of us do not trust vaccines. I happen to know because of the dark history of an abuse of power 
by our government at many times in our history and throughout the world that the release of vaccines have caused harm, especially to poor communities and especially to communities of color. And so if you are sitting out there and you're thinking, I'm not so sure about the vaccine, I get it. That's okay. That's okay to feel that way because there's a real history there. There's a distrust in the history. It's real. Several of my friends have said this. They've said, I'm not getting the vaccine until Dr. Fauci gets the vaccine, (laughs) right? When Dr. Fauci gets the vaccine, then I will feel okay. Well, here's a newsflash. Dr. Fauci got the vaccine this week. In 2020, Dr. Fauci got the vaccine and I watched the video. All right, I watched the video and just before Dr. Fauci received the injection, here is what he said. I wrote it down because it was so good. Here's what he said. Listen to this. This is Dr. Fauci. He said, he said, I feel extreme confidence in the safety and the efficacy of this vaccine. And I want to encourage everyone who has the opportunity to get vaccinated so that we can have a veil of protection over this country that would end the pandemic. Isn't that amazing? Dr. Fauci says, I have extreme confidence in the safety and efficacy. He says, please get vaccinated if you have the opportunity. Why? So that we can have a veil of protection over this country that would end the pandemic. Why is Dr. Fauci so confident? Why is Dr. Fauci so confident in this vaccine? I think we know, don't we? We know because he is the expert. He is the expert. And so the reason he has confidence is because what he would say is that the clinical trials for this vaccine were extremely successful. If you've done some reading about it, you will find that the the clinical trials were very successful. You see, I'm going to to give you a little bit of information here, okay? That the the research that went into this was conducted through a blind trial. And what that means is that half of the participants, volunteers, right? Not forced people, but people who volunteered for this vaccine were given the vaccine. Half were given the vaccine and the other half were given what? A placebo. Half were given the actual vaccine and half were given a placebo. Now, the reason they do this is because it creates a control. It creates a control group that they can they can rule out other factors and they can determine if the vaccine actually works because they're controlling for other variables. You see the placebo. Listen to this. The placebo looks and feels like the real thing. The placebo looks and feels like the vaccine with one critical difference. The placebo does not contain the active ingredient. The placebo does not contain the active ingredient. The COVID-19 vaccine's active ingredient is 30 micrograms of a nucleoside modified messenger RNA encoding the viral spike glycoprotein of the SARS coronavirus 2. Did y'all catch that? You got it? 30 micrograms of blah, 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 SARS something or other RNA. Okay, what does that mean? 
Well, to use a Star Wars analogy, since I'm on Star Wars today, if, if, if you want to think of the vaccine as the rebel uh, forces, uh, Han Solo and Luke Skywalker and, and, and Princess Leia, uh, they're the vaccine, okay? And, 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 and the, the virus is the Death Star. And the heroes of Star Wars were given plans to the Death Star. That's what the vaccine does. Is the vaccine delivers uh, information that our bodies need to fight off the virus. That's what the vaccine does. It creates, it's like getting plans to the Death Star so that we can bring balance to the force. And as Dr. Fauci says, bring an end to this pandemic. But I digress. Dr. Fauci trusts the vaccine because it contains the active ingredient. The active ingredient that has been scientifically proven to stop COVID-19 in its tracks. Spiritual gifts also have an active ingredient. Spiritual gifts also have an active ingredient. The active ingredient is love. The active ingredient is love. Look with me at verses four, verses four through seven. God says love is patient and kind. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing, but it rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. See, God has provided the active ingredient for ministry. And that active ingredient is love. And he tells us about it right here in these four verses, verses four through seven. He gives us a definition of love. This is the most clear and beautiful definition of love that you will ever find. Love is not a feeling. All right, don't let the love songs mislead you. Love is not a feeling. Love is not something you can fall into or out of. You don't fall in love. You choose to love. You don't fall out of love. You choose to walk away from love. You see, love is described in these four verses with 15 verbs. There are 15 verbs in these four verses. 15 words that tell us the active ingredient. See, I use the word active because a verb is what? It's an action. A verb is an action. I want us to walk through these verses and just think about what is love? What is God doing? What is God giving to us? What is that active ingredient? Love is patient and kind. It doesn't, it doesn't mind waiting on other people. Love is willing to delay gratification. Love is willing to wait. Love is proactive in doing good to others. It's kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's content with what it has. Love rejoices when you succeed and not only when I succeed. Love walks with humility. Love is not arrogant or proud or rude. It never seeks the spotlight. It looks for ways to become less important. Love looks for ways to, 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 to step back 
into the shadows. Love always considers the feelings of others. Love does not insist on its own way. It's willing to give up its preferences. Love is willing to say, not my way, but your way. Not my will, but your will be done. Love is eager to serve. Love is, love is willing to be uncomfortable. Willing to be uncomfortable for the sake of others. Willing to be dissatisfied for the sake of the satisfaction of others. Love is not irritable or resentful. Love is confident. Love wants the best for other people. Love is not a hater. Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing. Love will always mourn all forms of evil in the world. Love hates injustice. Love makes no room for the sinful nature. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing. Love rejoices instead with the truth. Love is a truth teller. Love delights in God's word. Love admits failure, tells the truth about the good and the bad, right? It, it, it tells the truth about how I've blown it. Love seeks forgiveness. Love walks in the daylight. Love bears all things. It is reliable and strong. Love can carry the burdens of others. Love trusts in God's strength each and every day. When we wake up, love says, Lord, you got this today. That is love. Love believes all things. It gives the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> Amen. Love gives the benefit of the doubt. It understands weakness. Because love knows that I'm weak. Love is vulnerable. And yet love hopes all things. Love sees the glass half full. Love trusts in the Lord for whatever you are going through today. Love is realistic, but it's upbeat. Love is positive. Love endures all things. Love suffers with a purpose. Love has tough skin. Love is not easily offended. Why? Because love believes that God will finish what he started. Brothers and sisters, if we're going to do ministry, we need to make sure that we have the active ingredient. We need to make sure that we have love because God wants us to be empowered for ministry, to use our spiritual gifts for the common good. But everything must be done in love. Everything must be done in love. Everything must be done with love for God and love for neighbor. God gifts us and he activates those gifts with his love. You know, one way to think about this is to put your name in the verse. Look with me back at verse 4. And instead of saying, JP, I want you to put your name in there, all right? I wish I had it on the screen, but I put the wrong verses on the screen. But here's what it says. It says, JP is patient and kind. JP does not envy or boast. JP is not arrogant or rude. JP does not insist on his own way. 
JP is not irritable or resentful. JP does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. JP bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Now this is revealing. (laughs) Because if you're like me, it makes you uncomfortable to even read that. Because you know it ain't so, right? You know it ain't so. You know it ain't always so anyway. So often, we operate in our gifting, but we do it in our own strength. So often, we do it for selfish purposes. So often, we are seeking our own good and not the good of others. So often, we are unwilling to sacrifice. We would rather make someone else sacrifice rather than we take the love. We, we, we take the hit. We show the love. You see, many times, many times I am more concerned about appearing to be spiritual than actually being a spirit-filled person. And I know you are too. I know you are too. When we put our name in that verse, it, it convicts us. When we consider the high calling of love, the active ingredient that's necessary for ministry to actually work, for it not to be just a clanging symbol. When we think about that, when we think of how far we fall short of God's standard of love, we are left feeling unworthy. We are left feeling like failures. We need love. We need it. We need the active ingredient. If we're ever going to see this virus of sin and death eradicated, we need love. Here's the good news, brothers and sisters. Listen, love came down at Christmas. Love came down at Christmas. The virus of sin and death infected the whole world. And so God sent love down. God sent love because he knew that we couldn't put our name in the verse. He knew that we wouldn't be able to do it. And we didn't. And we failed. And we fail. And we continue to fail. But God sent his only son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to take on our humanity in his person, to take on flesh, to take on all of our weakness and all of our frailty, all of our burdens, to face temptation in every way as we do, and yet to love perfectly. Jesus is the active ingredient. (laughs) Jesus is the active ingredient that we need. Put his name in the passage. Watch this. Jesus is patient and kind. Hallelujah. Jesus does not envy or boast. Jesus is not arrogant or rude. You see, Jesus does not insist on his own way. Jesus is not irritable or resentful. He's not hating you. Jesus does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Jesus bears all things, our sin on the cross, most of all. He believes all things. He hopes all things. And yes, he endures all things. 
Jesus' name can cover up your name in that verse. You just write his name on top of your name. That's what faith is, y'all. Faith is believing that Jesus covers every failure that we have ever committed or done. He covers it with his life, his goodness. And so our sin is washed away. On the cross is paid for and in the resurrection, in the resurrection is made victorious. And then he sends his spirit. He sends his spirit to indwell and fill his people with what? Not gifts. Not primarily. To fill us with his love. You see, if you ever love, it's because the spirit is at work in you. But the fruit of the spirit is love. The first one. Paul says it this way. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the active ingredient, (laughs) amen? But the active ingredient is love. Love will empower New City Fellowship to do the work of ministry that He has called us to do. To bring faith, hope, and love to Orangeburg in 2021. Lord, help us. Lord, help us, help us to believe in Jesus' name. Amen.